Welcome back for season two of Beyond the Venue podcast. I wanted to kick off this newest season with a woman who has been a constant resource and inspiration for me since the moment she and I were introduced. Elizabeth Beth Kramer is a wedding planner in Portland, Oregon, who's fighting the wedding industrial complex. She's a co-founder of Altered, an event for wedding vendors who want to change the wedding industry. And she is also the host of her own podcast, The Teardown, a podcast for wedding vendors who've had enough. In this episode, we learn about how Beth combined her background in journalism with her current role as a wedding planner to consistently report on the legality of weddings in Oregon since May 2020. We even had to reschedule our original recording date, as the day before our recording, she would learn that the governor of Oregon would be announcing new mandates at the exact same time when we were scheduled to record. Since this recording, Beth announced she published a book, or as she refers to it, Beth in a Book. I want to congratulate her on Modern Etiquette Wedding Planner, the essential organizer to make your day special for everyone. Beth explains her choice of book title, that at first the word etiquette weirded me out until I realized that when handled responsibly, etiquette can be an extremely effective tool in making wedding planning less gross. Don't believe me? Think of these past 18 months and all my blabbing about COVID safety policies. That's etiquette. That's the golden rule. It's treating people the way you would like to be treated, which in my opinion is the epitome of good manners. Well, I couldn't agree with Beth more, and I am super excited for my pre-ordered copy to arrive after its release this coming Tuesday, October 5th. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the following episode, Prioritizing Safety and Joy with Elizabeth Kramer. My guest today is zooming in all the way from Portland, Oregon today, Elizabeth Kramer, a wedding planner based in the Portland, Oregon area, who is fighting the wedding industrial complex, which I absolutely love. Such a fan of all the work that she's been doing. Uh, She is co-founder of Altered and also the host of her own podcast called The Teardown, which I am, again, a huge fan of both. Very, very inspirational. And I'm going to have her talk a lot more about those, but first we'll talk about how we met. So how long have you been following Jordan Manny and her Ally to Advocate program? Oh, well, first off, thanks for having me on today, MG. It's just, uh, it's been such a pleasure getting to know you just over the last, gosh, I, I've lost track of time, but definitely over the course of I was trying to think of the same thing. I was like, when I, I join? Let's, let's call it May. I feel like that's when things were good. <laughs> totally. Well, it was funny. I, um, this actually is relevant to your question about Jordan. Um, I feel like I have developed all of these like pen pals during the pandemic. And it's been um, a really beautiful part of the last 18 months is um, just being able to connect with people a little bit more freely. I mean, obviously in a virtual capacity, but um, Jordan is one of them, just like you are. So um, Jordan and I first started talking uh, June of 2020, which I'm sure everyone is like, oh, okay. Yeah, yep, I, yep. I remember this time. Um, because Jordan, for those who aren't familiar with her work, um, she is behind something called the Step Up Pledge. So it was a call specifically for kind of big name wedding media to step up, um, which uh, in Jordan's context meant showcase and make safe space for black joy. Um, Jordan is both a wedding planner. And then these days she does a lot of work um, specifically with small business owners and entrepreneurs, both in the wedding industry and then outside of it. Um, and is herself a black woman. So was speaking about, you know, I don't see myself in this industry. I don't feel safe in this industry. And I saw this online. Uh, I thought it was awesome and cool. And my question, and I've since read this email uh, and realized that I did the thing that I really am trying not to do, which is I put the ball in her court instead of just coming up with an idea. But um, 
I went to her and I said, Hey, this is really cool. I love that you're calling for the nod and wedding wire and all these really, you know, multinational corporations to step up and, and to get with it. Um, what does this look like for me? One person at my dining room table. And Jordan, uh, because she is excellent and kind and generous, uh, came back and said, I don't know, what do you think? And so we kind of started talking from there. Um, and since then, our relationship has evolved. She's been on my show. Um, she was a teacher for um, Altered, which, you know, you, you kindly mentioned earlier. So I consider us coworkers, um, but it all started with a cold email that she was kind enough to respond to. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess and I discovered her... Uh, going through a, a workshop earlier this year of exploring mm -hmm. social justice issues within the the wedding industry and mm -hmm. came across her and just the way that she speaks I just I'm obsessed I just I just love the way that she speaks and so these these blog posts that she had written and just kind of like calling out bullshit and um so I started following her on social media joined up with her newsletter and she started sending out emails about her ally to advocate program. And it, you know, seems like it's a group of well-meaning white folks coming together to talk about some hard issues and really explore kind of what's going on. And it, you know, I think it was kind of like early on, it was one of the the meetups that you popped in. It's like, oh, you're, you're a wedding planner in Oregon. So we, we did the whole virtual coffee thing and you and I got to know each other a little bit better. And, um, just really appreciating everything that you're doing. And I know like these last couple months, especially like as a wedding planner, I'm sure the last 18 months have been straight bananas, but even now having met you. So let's say if it was May watching you and getting your newsletters and, and seeing your updates and how drastically they've changed just in this past month that even we had to reschedule our, <laughs> our taping that you were supposed to reschedule or you were supposed to record with me a couple of weeks ago. And, um, you know, some government official was going to be making some sort of important announcement with regards to COVID and events and weddings. And you have just been on top of things. So you know, can can you talk a little bit more about what these last couple months have have been like for you as a as a wedding planner? Very happy to. Um, I will also say one more thing, since we are both huge fans of Jordan Maney, is um, she also does some really radical stuff around BIPOC joy. So she's been doing these things recently around creating space for um, folks who are who are BIPOC to like be able to prioritize their mental well-being um, and set boundaries that prioritize particularly their work as small business owners. So I like to mention because um, she does all the things. So whoever is listening, uh, I would imagine there is a place for you with Jordan because um, she's just that type of gal. So one thing there. I agree more. Jordan. Yeah. Um, and then as far as what the last time period has <laughs> been for me, um, well, I mean, I said this before we hopped on, but thank you again for being so generous and rescheduling with me because, um, you know, for folks who are listening, this was literally like the more, the night before, I think it was. So um, the state official, it was the governor here in Oregon was going to make an announcement that um, this, so like many states in the U.S., um, mine, Oregon, had moved to, I think, the kids call it opened, right? My state opened at the end of June. Um, and so from June 30th through like most of July into early August, 
life from a legal point of view was very what I call 2019 style. So when mm-hmm. it comes to live events or venues or weddings, uh, we're talking no headcounts except for what the fire marshal has told you a million years ago. Um, no masks required indoors or outdoors uh, and no social distancing required. So again, 2019, what we would think of. Um, and this was how we were living our lives. And then um, I think for many people will know August has not been that way. Uh, and so that announcement was, Hey, Oregon, uh, the governor is going to put into place a mask mandate to wear masks indoors in public spaces. So, um, while a lot of the definition is evolving, um, by and large, that means the majority of venues and specifically the majority of what we think of as wedding venues. Um, of course it, it can get a little blurry and gray, the, 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 depending on the situation, but, um, yeah, I wanted to report on that. So that is all because, uh, for two reasons. So I have been reporting on what is legal in Oregon for weddings and live events. Um, Actively since May of 2020, uh, it was an article. And I love that, that you call it reporting because you have a background in journalism. I was going to say, I'll so- tell you why I use that <laughs> fancy dancy word. This is your background in journalism, yep. like coming yep. full circle so you can report on the news for your oh, wedding clients. And my journalism professors in- could see me now. Um, <laughs> so yeah. proud. No, that's what I was going to say. That's like, so one, what the heck is this article she's talking about? And two, why does she report it? So I'll start with number two. Um, yeah. So my background is in journalism. Uh, my last job before I went full-time with my wedding planning business was I was a magazine editor out of Seattle um, and went to school for journalism, writing, editing, whole shebang. Um, and when I decided to go full-time with my wedding planning business, um, I've written about my work the whole time I've been in business. So for five years, uh, I make the joke that I work the wedding industrial complex beat, right? This is, this is what I write. Um, and in the past 18 months, that beat has evolved into, not to put it too tritely, but the pandemic wedding planning beat. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's what I report on. <laughs> so it's taken a lot of forms, but the one we're talking about right now um, is this article that I wrote, Can I Legally Have a Wedding in Oregon Right Now?, which I first published in May 2020. And I wrote it like I write anything. I wrote it because people were asking me. And I was like, that sounds like an article. Um, and... I'm not going to say if I had a time machine, I would go back and not publish that article because at this point, I think it has, oh gosh, I don't want to quote it wrong, seven, 8,000 uniques. I mean, it's helped a lot of people, right? So I'm not going to say that I regret writing it, but if I'd had any idea how many times I would update that article from May 2020 through August 2021, I think I would have just warned myself. I don't know. I don't know what I'd do with my time machine because it just is. It's been a lot. I think I've updated like massive updates on that article 15, 20 times. Um, These are serious overhauls um, of like a 2,000, 3,000 word piece. So big, a lot of reporting there. Um, And then of course, I've been going to the press conferences that the governor hosts and tracking it and just trying to get answers for people. So um, you were very kind when there was this kind of not reversal, but big decision that didn't come out of the blue, but I think a lot of people didn't think it was going to happen. And you know, it happened and um, both affected my clients since I have clients on my books for this year. um, And also of course impacted the hundreds of folks who both follow my newsletter, um, the folks who follow me on Instagram, and then the folks who are just Googling at midnight and happen to find my article because the guidance for um, legal events in Oregon remains very hard to find. you probably know my quote that uh, during the pandemic, kind of when my county 
during the pandemic part where, where my state was doing counties, so county risk levels, the best guidance you can find on weddings was on a PDF about funeral homes. So it's just, it's been very oh, unclear. Uh, it remains very unclear. So anytime there's news, I report on it is the end to that long story. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it, it was definitely a struggle over the last 18 months as well, trying to keep up to date on yep. what was going on. Cause with Philadelphia, you know, we did the same thing where it's like things were different by county mm-hmm. or maybe the governor of Pennsylvania saying one thing, but we always had stricter requirements in the city mm-hmm. of Philadelphia, but we also are right next to New Jersey and Delaware. And so trying to pay attention to what restrictions were in those states, it, it, it was a lot, like it kind of got to the point. I, I was not very interested in trying to find venues outside of the Philadelphia area just because it it was the counties was a little bit easier like if they were adhering to you know state level guidelines but trying to mess around with Delaware and New Jersey I was like I oh it's just way too much well I've had people request you know Beth will you do this for Washington state right which is the the state to the north of Oregon Um, and I do a lot of work in Washington it's both where I started my business and Portland is about 20 minutes driving from the Washington border. Right. Um, and I was like, I, I have a working knowledge of Washington rules. Cause I have people there I care about. Uh, if I maintain a whole other article, it will break me. It will break me in half because the Oregon one nearly did or nearly has, I shouldn't use past tense. It nearly has. Um, but yeah, I mean, hundred percent hear that it has been, um, very challenging to keep tabs. And, and I want to just note challenging here doesn't mean that someone's doing something wrong. Like, I think we can all understand that like people are figuring this out in real time, right? We're literally building the boat as the flood waters are rising. And so um, that was part of the reason I've, I've tried to stay on top of the article is I in no way fault, you know, the state of the, the state government here, Oregon health authority, which is kind of our big hub for this news. Um, I, it's not their fault. They're not thinking about weddings, you know? And <laughs> like for me, I wish they would, because in my opinion, weddings, they have all the characteristics of a super spreader event if we don't take other precautions, right? I also think they have a lot of other fish to fry um, and have for a long time. Um, So sure, this is the thing that I can do, report on this news, give people the information they need for what is legal, and then help help guide them into conversations about, okay, we know what is legal, now let's talk about what is safe, because those two things have not always been the same, particularly in the last year and a half. Uh, Let's do it. Because um, I, I think we all want the same thing, which is for people not to die at weddings or live events or at anything that is hosted at a venue. So, um, yeah. So I hear what you are though. the current regulations in, in Portland? Because here in Philadelphia, um, the current mandate for the city is mass required everywhere indoors and public. And uh, like bars, restaurants, et cetera, have the mm-hmm. choice if they want to implement proof of vaccination. So mm-hmm. you've mainly seen that at uh, music venues, which I was very pleased to see. Um, my husband and some of our friends went to a concert at one of my local uh, favorite music venues mm-hmm. called Union Transfer a couple of weeks ago. I think it was the first show they were doing. And it was proof of vaccination just to be able to get inside, but still almost everybody kept their mask on during the entire concert, which was just yeah. a huge relief to, 
I'm sure. I'm totally, that's where we're at, right? I think, I think we could be going in the right direction. And, um, you know, a lot of bars and restaurants that are requiring proof of vaccination to be able to eat indoors. So, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're outside, you Mm -hmm. can be unvaccinated, but, you know, wear a mask to come inside to go to the restroom. Um, What are, what are things like in Portland right now? All right. Well, I'm going to time date this because (laughs) as we all know, this could change. It could be changing right now. Uh, So it's 122 Pacific Standard Time on Monday, August 23rd. So uh, if you're hearing this after, which of course you are, um, this could have changed Um, in this moment. So the the state guidance um, and I, I will explain why I'm breaking it down that way. But the state guidance is. If you're indoors for anything public, um, what does public mean? My rule of thumb is, and I, I, this is how it's being executed on the ground too, is anything that's not your private home. So a restaurant, a grocery store, a wedding venue, it's public. Um, if you're indoors, wear a mask, regardless of vaccination status, uh, unless you're eating and drinking. So there's all of that. Uh, if you're outdoors, uh, the state says, you don't have to wear a mask, regardless of vaccination status, in a public setting. Um, that's what the state says. And for the majority of Oregon counties, that's true in this moment. But as I just reported on Friday, um, there's a county in Oregon. It's, um, it's not a super large county, but it has um, a, a large college town. So it's, it's a fairly populated county. Um, their, their rule as of last week was, yep, Totally hear you indoors. You're going to wear a mask regardless of vaccination status. But hey, when you're outdoors, you're also going to wear a mask also, you know, regardless of vaccination status. Um, so we're seeing, I think this is where we're at right now, which is there is state guidance. And then it's often coming down to individual counties. Counties can set their own rules. And then from there, and this has been true, I would say, for the last two or three months, but we're seeing it again, you know, amid fears and concerns around Delta. Um, it's coming down to individual venues. So like you were just saying, MG, around like individual venues saying, yeah, we're totally going to do everything in accordance with state and county law and also whatever that might be. Um, and then in my space and weddings, it's often coming down to individual couples. So, hey, we're going to do everything that's legal, state, county, and venue, and also set our own requirements for, for our guests and for our vendors. So... Um, it really depends, you know, I mean, the way that I instruct my conversations, um, with any couple, I mean, these days I consult on weddings all over the country, um, including one international lead, which was kind of interesting, um, around COVID. But the way that I structure these conversations is we got to start with what is legal and all the different tiers of what legality means. And then, like I said earlier, you're going to move into what is safe because for many people, they want to take it to a different level. And I'm not here to say right or wrong or whatever it might be, um, but you're seeing that, right? You're seeing, hey, I don't have to do any of this, but I want to do it. What does that look like? So that's where we're at right now in this moment for my part of the world. And one of the phrases that you used um, this past Friday in your newsletter was this concept of vaccine boundaries, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a, a super interesting way to put it specifically when you're planning a wedding. Um, there's been a lot of discussion in the last couple of weeks with wedding vendors saying like, we'll only like, they're starting to add to their contracts. Like I'll only work with you if you're vaccinated. And so it kind of brings out the other side of things that, you know, are you discounting a lot of folks that, you know, 
maybe they medically can't get vaccinated or, you know, there's, there, it's such a loaded thing to say and such an important subject to discuss. And so when I had brought it up um, as a discussion piece in my entrepreneur group last week, I think what it kind of all came down to is like, we're, we're still in a public health crisis. And so, you know, just being cognizant of, again, like setting those vaccine boundaries, you know, maybe not just as a couple, but also as a, as a vendor, because you also have to keep yourself safe. So maybe regardless of the reasons of folks not being able to be vaccinated, then that's all part of the conversation. And, you know, articles are coming out of, you know, couples that are finally having that difficult conversation with the family. And it's encouraging some family members that were hesitant to finally get vaccinated. Like people who, for whatever reason, were were anti-vax deciding like, no, I don't want to miss this wedding. So I'm going to do this for my family. Um, you know, and on the people that aren't able to get vaccinated because of, you know, medical reasons, et cetera, you know, do you want to be in a place with that's putting yourself at risk? So there's just, it all comes back to the vaccine boundary. You know, what having that conversation with your partner, with your wedding vendors. And so kind of what, what has a lot of this looked like over the last, because I guess vaccine, I mean, you couldn't really start having these conversations until a couple months ago. Yeah, it's a great question. So I'll talk a little bit about where this term that I use, vaccine boundary, its origins, right? So I came into 2021, came into this year, um, after a year, after 2020, right? We'll just put it real real (laughs) short and sweet there. Um, I came into this year and I was fully booked for June and July. So as a wedding planner for what that means for me is eight weddings, eight weekends, eight weddings, fully booked. And I also came back from a couple weeks off at the end of 2020 with an inbox filled with leads, which is not abnormal for me um, or for my type of work. A lot of vendors will tell you that in the wedding industry, there's this thing called engagement season uh, from Thanksgiving to Valentine's Day. I have never been able to find a study to provide scientific proof of this. I have a million and one anecdotes that tell you that this is a thing, right? which just means that I usually book the most between those months. So it's not surprising to come back in January and have a bunch of leads. What was surprising in 2021 is that these were leads for weddings that were happening in May through July, primarily, of 2021, of guest counts of usually at least 50 guests, so we're not even counting vendors here, but often in the neighborhood of 100 and 150 and 200 guests, uh, and primarily in the Portland area, right? So a major metropolitan area. Uh, and of course, with a wedding, you're also talking usually a high volume of, tra- of travel. So, you know, all these things. And I looked at all these leads and I said, holy moly, I got a level. I got a level of people. I just don't know how I'm going to be able to do this and how they're going to be able to do it. Like these are weddings that are cannot legally exist in this moment in time. And this is January, right? So we're like kind of talking about the vaccine in the U.S., but you know, not really. And no one knows how rollout's going to look and this, that, and the other. Um, so what happened over the course of January through into the spring was I started writing a lot more about the pandemic, um, both tracking what is legal and then creating a gallery of free pandemic wedding planning resources, uh, to put it very succinctly. Um, and I started hearing from people and I started hearing primarily from couples who were telling me about this thing that they wanted to do, which was they wanted to have a conversation with their guests and sometimes their vendors about 
vaccines and about safety. And I started to call it a vaccine boundary. And so what I mean when I say that is having a conversation around vaccination. It means different things to different people. So for some couples, that is 100%, everybody has to be fully vaccinated who is able to get vaccinated. So MG, to talk to your point, there I talk a lot in my writing about, is this a can't situation, I can't get vaccinated, or is this a won't situation, I won't get vaccinated. These are two different populations of people, in my opinion. And how we approach it when hosting a live event is, is different, depending on the context. Um, but talking to couples about that, like how do you begin to have those conversations? Um, and then more recently, it's so interesting that you had mentioned kind of what does a vaccine boundary look like from a vendor point of view, right? Um, and I think I need to probably write about this because I've had like several conversations in this vein in the past 24 hours. Um, this, is, this is becoming, I think, a new thread that we're all kind of pulling of, hey, I'm a business owner. Um, my business is a business model based on live events, <laughs> which is a terrible business model to have during a global pandemic where diseases spread during things that we think of as live events. Um, but hey, that's what I do for a living. Um, what do I want to tell clients about my own personal health and safety? And what do I expect from them, right? Vendors have been having these conversations really actively for the last 18 months, but now I'm seeing this new thing where they're kind of saying it. <laughs> So um, what will that look like? I, I, I don't know universally, of course, so I'll share what I've done so far. Um, when my, so my household is my husband and I. When we were able to become fully vaccinated, so for us that was early June, um, I put it on my website. So it's literally the first thing you hit when you hit my website is myself and my household were fully vaccinated as of June 5th, 2021. It's also on my contact form. Um, my thinking here is that it gets the elephant out of the room. You know, it, it signals real strongly, this is where I'm at with that. Um, does it have the benefit of perhaps self-selecting people who don't believe in the efficacy of vaccines? I don't know. I'm presuming perhaps. I'm not, I'm not sure, but they know where I stand on it. Um, I have not personally reached a point yet where I am ask, actively asking new leads if they're vaccinated. Um, I know some vendors are setting that boundary for various reasons. Sometimes it's because they have children under 12 in their household. Sometimes it's because they're immunocompromised. So even though they might've been able to get vaccinated, if they get sick with COVID, um, they're probably going to get really sick with it rather than like, if I get sick with it, I really don't want the damn thing, but I, I likely won't die from it because I'm now a vaccinated individual. Um, so people asking for just additional conversation. I, I haven't reached that. I'm, I might reach it. I haven't decided yet. Um, but what I am doing for all of my clients on my books for this year uh, and into 2022 is just having really honest and open conversations around COVID. And the way that I do that as a wedding planner is I have all my clients, um, I create a COVID safety policy for them. So this is a template on my site. And it's at the end of the day, it's a boundary setting exercise. It is the couple and often myself if I'm on their books, but it, I know many couples who've never hired me who are doing the same thing where they sit down and they decide the boundaries of their event. You know, what do vaccines look like? What do masks look like? What, um, what does proof of vaccination look like? Uh, what does it all look like? And then communicating those boundaries with their guests and their vendors. I have communication templates to help facilitate those conversations. And that's what we're doing a lot right now. So to go back to the original question, you know, what does vaccine boundary look like? You know, with couples, my big point for them is let's just talk about the damn thing because there's so much of that in weddings um, where 
it's easier often not to talk about it, you know, both from a mood killer point of view and everyone's fatigued. And also we're talking about a wedding, you know, do we also want to talk about illness and death? So let's talk about the damn thing. Um, and then from a vendor point of view, what boundaries do you need as a service industry worker to perform your job safely? Um, and that that's an open question that I think many people, um, I know myself included, are having with themselves as we look at to what do we want our businesses to be into, into 2022? So well, I think I think the concept question. of a of a of a vaccine boundary extends, you know, beyond this hospitality life. It's sure. you know kind of as I'm thinking about it. So we're gearing up to go on a 17 day trip. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't seen my parents in almost two years, and so we're going back to Dallas, Texas, to see them. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, two different friends that we'll be visiting have children um, that are too young to get vaccinated. And so, you know, actively having conversations with them about what do they feel safe doing and what are they comfortable with? And, you know, we originally had tickets to go see Wicked uh, with my dad. My dad loves musicals. And I had to tell him, you know, I think earlier this week that, wait, it's only Monday. So last week. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I know. I know what you mean. I, you know, a couple of days ago realized that, like, I am just kind of very untrusting at this point because I know that I'm walking into a very hot area. And even though the theater is requiring masks to be worn at all times inside, Mm -hmm. I don't trust anyone to keep their mask on the entire time Mm -hmm. just because this is not my city. Like I don't live there. I, you know, it's just such a different comfort level than here in Philadelphia than going to Dallas, Texas. Um, and I've also said I'm, I'm unwilling to eat indoors at all while we're in Dallas Mm -hmm. versus, you know, before we go to Dallas, we're going to Santa Fe and it seems Mm -hmm. like there's a lot of proof of vaccination, um, and effect and a lot of places that we're going there. Yeah. And, um, hoping we'll see kind of a similar thing in Maine when we go there. Mm -hmm. Um, but just trying to play it as safe as possible. Cause I'm in the exact same boat as you in terms of, yeah, we don't have children, but at the same time, like that's taken you out for 10 days of just being stuck at home because yeah. of, for what? You know? Well, yeah. And for, <laughs> ven- just- for vendors, and I know venue owners will appreciate this. You know, if you get sick, you can't work in many ways, you know, and, um, that's, there's a huge financial loss there an emotional loss. So, I mean, yeah, people, people don't want to mess around and, you know, that's kind of what my two points are and have, have been throughout the year. Um, and I think it's been interesting in the past few weeks, I've found, I found myself returning to a lot of topics that I was talking a lot in May and June, which, you know, makes sense for where we're at. Um, it has been a little bit of whiplash, like, okay, all right, you know, let's go back to these talking points. Um, But, you know, the two things I say around boundaries or COVID safety policies or all these things that, I mean, I'll be the first to admit, they're not sexy. It is not a fun (laughs) thing to talk about COVID in your wedding. Um, So why do we do it? You know, one thing that I say a lot, um, I say this to couples a ton, is the greatest gift you can give anyone who you're inviting to an in-person event this year, whether it's a guest or a vendor, is to tell them what they're getting into. You know, I mean, I just, I hear it from guests all of the time that I got invited to this wedding in September, October. I haven't been to a wedding in two years. And also, what the heck does that look like? Um, And so 
I think a lot of couples, and we all do this in different ways in our life. A lot of folks are just relying on, well, they're probably vaccinated. So do I have to tell them what to expect? And I would argue, yeah, you know, for now, just, just tell them, you know, and a lot of the COVID safety policies that I developed, particularly like in June or July, you know, it was just saying, expect a 2019 style event, which at that point was legal, right, in my state. Um, that's fine. Just tell people the thing, because particularly with guests, then they can opt in or opt out. And I, I know that that can be very nuanced, right? Of course, there's emotional and often there's a financial cost to being a wedding guest, whether it's tickets or accommodations or gift or whatever it might be. Um, but it gives your guests a concept of like, okay, this this falls within my personal safety, Um if your kids are coming along, if it falls within that, I mean, just, it just helps people to know, you know, just to know what they're getting into. And with your vendors, um, damn, do they appreciate it? I mean, <laughs> I, I have a story that I wrote back in January of this year. That was me interviewing a bunch of wedding vendors. Usually they wanted to be um, anonymized because there's some real costs to talking openly about these topics as a vendor. Um, but them just saying what working in 2020 looked like and the universal theme was, Nobody really thought about my safety. Nobody really remembered that I have a family I want to go back to. You know, uh, I know for myself, it was my biggest fear last year was, am I going to go to work and am I going to bring something home that kills my husband? Because I'll be damned if that happens, you know? And it just, that's again, why I, why I continue to talk about the COVID safety policy. You know, even at this point, it's like definitely into the fall. And I'm beginning to think it's like, is this the thing I'm going to continue to do into 2022? Hey, I'm open to it, you know, um, but for your vendors, they get that. And universally, people have been like, thanks. I didn't know this was a thing people did. And I just I really appreciate knowing that this is 100 guests outdoors or this is, you know, mass required indoors. I just thank you. You know, so I say that. And then the other reason I say, why do we do all this unsexy stuff is um, if we've learned anything in the last year, I think you can speak to it with your husband and the concert he went to. It's much easier to feel joy when we also feel safe. And oh, just, absolutely. And the anxiety, because I'm down mean, to it. You're already, as a couple planning your wedding, you're already anxious to begin with. And so sure. if you can For be sure. transparent and just know that you've taken all the right steps to set everything in place, yep. that you shouldn't have to worry about a thing and just let it all go in the moment and enjoy this super special day. Yeah, for sure. And your team appreciates it. You know, I mean, with, with vendors and um, venue owners, you know, it's more complicated in some ways than like telling your guests, because in many ways your guests have a choice. Um, and I know like, of course, if we're talking about like a loved one, like do they have a choice if they have, they, they emotionally want to be at your wedding so much, um, your wedding vendor or your wedding venue, their literal livelihood is based on your wedding. So while they don't have as much of an option to opt in or opt out, which is why so many people have worked in so many conditions that do not serve them in the past year and a half. I still think it serves them to know that you're thinking about them, you know, still knows that you're willing to talk about the elephant in the room. So, um, yeah, I totally get that from, from all the different sides. And I hope your trip goes very well because it remains a challenging time. Sure does. Well, speaking of wedding vendors, um, I would love for you to tell our listeners more about altered and your podcast, the Teardown. Um, I, I, just cannot get enough of your podcast. I just hang on to every so single nice. word. You. And it's, 
it, it's been very eye-opening for me because I, I love hearing these perspectives. And, you know, when, when I was planning my own wedding, it's, I, I did want something non-traditional and, <laughs> you know, having a family that's from the South, there were a couple, you know, family members that had their own opinions and it's like, now nah, I've lived in Philly too long. You can, <laughs> you can just take that. Well, that's the thing about weddings, elsewhere. right? People you never thought would have opinions. They always have an opinion. They always have an opinion for sure. I totally hear it. Beth, I got to tell you, I did get tremendously lucky that my mom knows I'm like a type A planner. And, you know, (laughs) she's like, I'm I'm here to help if you need anything. But it's like, she felt bad that she wasn't doing more. And I was like, you don't have to do anything. Like, this is what I do. And I totally and mother-in-law the same way. Like she's a total saint and was great with, you know, staying relatively hands off and, or if I was particular about something, she was pretty, For sure. there, were, there were a couple of things that might've taken her a second or two to come around on. But, you know, I guess I just never thought about the ability to tear down the wedding industrial complex and to actively like fight for change and, you know, let anyone and everyone know that your wedding should be about whatever you want it to be about and making it about them and what you care about and celebrating your partner. And so, you know, tell us more about Altered and the Teardown. Oh, well, would love to. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've been thinking a lot recently, um, recent here, I mean, this is the last three or four months, right? As I've kind of you know, thinking ahead, getting vaccinated myself, my husband getting vaccinated, just thinking about like, what does this next bit look like? Right. Whatever, whatever bit wants to be here. And I've realized that, um, you know, of course I've been talking about the pandemic in my space, um, beyond it being, of course, a a, a giant life event we're all living through. Um, but in many ways, it's the same topics I've been talking about for all five years of my career in, in weddings, which is safety and joy you know, uh, and what does that look like? So it's, I thought about it when you're talking about your own wedding MG, because, um, you know, I have a post on my site where I say that in many ways, the pandemic has done to the wedding industry, what I wanted to do, uh, which was to kill it, which is, I admit a completely off color joke, but, um, the thought there being that I think in many ways, what we have seen in the last 18 months, and I, I will be the first to admit, we will see how much this continues and it may very well not, but the pandemic has really forced particularly couples to think about this, think about the intention, this, um, you know, my argument in my writing is the most important question of wedding planning is not where, when, or how much it's why, why have a wedding, you know, and that became very, very topical uh, during COVID of course, because people literally had to think about if I have this wedding, will it, will it harm people? Um, but I think it's something that, I mean, I know I advocate for it in my own work and I I hope couples continue to to hold that true because I think it influences so many other decisions. Um, But, you know, to that greater point, I realized a couple of years ago that if I really want to change the wedding industry, which is my overall goal in my work, it's why I left my job as an editor. It's why I do this full time. um, I want to talk to couples, you know, totally my heart work. I love working with couples. I love helping them figure out that why and being very intentional about how they spend the money and where spend their money and where they get married and all this. Um, but if I really want to make change, I also need to talk to vendors because the lifespan of a vendor is a much longer in the wedding industry than a couple. 
right? On couple, on average, it's 14 months in the wedding industry, give or take the global pandemic. Um, but for a vendor, you can have a touch point of anywhere from one to 52 weddings in, the, in a year, depending on how, how much you work, right? Um, or what the volume of work is. So um, that's where things like Altered and the Teardown came out of. It was me trying to figure out more ways to talk to vendors who feel similarly as I do in that we love working with couples. We love our jobs. We love running our own businesses. We take a lot of issue with the problematic nature of the wedding industry. Another way I phrase that a lot is nasty isms. So the um, the things that we encounter throughout various parts of our society, um, our society here being American society, to speak very broadly, um, racism, ageism, homophobia, um, all of it. It's here in the wedding industry, and I argue that it's wrapped up in tool, and often people are made to feel that um, their true love is at stake, right? So it kind of immediately raises that blood pressure. Um, so Altered is a way to get all those folks together, uh, vendors who really love their jobs but want to help change this wedding industry. You started uh, Altered, as, was it a conference to begin with? Was you know, that- it's funny. Yeah, it started, so it started as a very regional networking event. In uh, February of 2020, about three weeks before, <laughs> yep, about three weeks before the first COVID case was reported here. Oh boy, um, yeah, a little wild to look at those photos now. Um, and then since then evolved. So um, it started. It was 50 vendors, Oregon, Washington. We had speakers talk about um, diversity, equity, inclusion, and accessibility in the wedding industry. We left it myself and the other folks who put it together, and we're like, hey, we'll do it bigger and better, right? In 2021, see you then. And then, of course, what happened happened last year. And so myself um, and the other folks, the other volunteer vendors who put this together, I reached out to them like last summer. I said, what's our place here? You know, what can we add? And so that led to the Altered we hosted in December of 2020, which the theme of that one was, I kid you not, um, let's make wedding vendors less sad. I mean, that was the entire mission of that one. Uh, that was 64 vendors uh, from eight different states and two countries because we had a huge contingent out of Canada come join. <laughs> and then from there, I said, well, this is cool. People seem to be grooving with what we're doing. So let's do some classes. So then um, launched a series of classes from February to June of this year. Those were specifically about DEIA work in the wedding industry tailored to um, tailored to wedding vendors. So um, Jordan, the person who brought us together, she was one of our educators. Um, We had educators on um, accessibility with a big focus on what does accessibility look like at a a physical location, at a wedding venue? What does that look like? How do you have those conversations? Um, Talked about inclusive language. So what that looks like on a business site, whole variety pack of of cool topics. Um, Last count, we had 22 states attend those and an average class size of about 20, 22 vendors. Um, our biggest class was 39 students. And again, a, a huge variety of folks all over the country and sometimes the world. We've, I've had people these days reach out from Europe and Asia and um, Australia wanting to talk. Um, and now where we're at is kind of in this hibernation station of what do we want to do next? So my hope is that we will do another event um, Three weeks ago, I would have told you that was going to be a a hybrid event with something in person here in Portland with a virtual component for our folks all over the world. Um, In this moment, I don't know. I don't know what it will be. Um, I want to do something that celebrates the people who have worked so hard in this industry. Um, And I want to tie it to another series of classes that I hope to do January through May of next year, again, um, specifically around DEIA work in the wedding industry. So what is Altered? Uh, the elevator pitch is it's an event for wedding vendors who want to change the wedding industry. Um, these days, I think it is also increasingly 
a group of people, of coworkers, of friends, um, a space where they can talk honestly and openly about their jobs, um, which these days can be a lot around, hey, do I put my vaccine status on my website? Um, all the way up to I'm, I'm hitting this pain point in my business, what would you do? So that's altered. And then the teardown is me talking to cool people who are wedding vendors about what they do in the wedding industry. So They're all, all connected. Oh, listeners, you'll have to check out <laughs> the teardown. I just some of, some of these stories and and what I've learned, I really appreciated. Uh, I ended up sharing it on Instagram, okay. um, but very thought provoking of in in talking about pronouns mm-hmm. that um, you know using the words preferred pronouns that it's not a preference, like it is. This is who this person is. And these are the pronouns. It's not preferred. It, it is. And so actively removing um, the word preferred from pronouns and just asking for a person's pronouns, which totally. something that's simple that goes so far um, in terms of just understanding, um, you know, gender and pronouns. Totally. And I appreciate you sharing that. I mean, as we all continue to learn and, and do more to make other people feel safe, you know, and to make them actively safe. Um, yeah, the teardown is very much a pet project of mine because, um, like we talked about earlier, I'm a journalist by trade, right? A journalist who now happens to plan weddings. So I love to interview people. It's one of my favorite things. Um, and so I started the teardown in 2019. Um, I think the first season is about 10 episodes long and it was very much just me Q&Aing with, with vendors who I know who I think are doing cool things and talking about their work. Um, and then I ended that season as I end all seasons talking to a couple. So a couple that I had actively planned their wedding. Um, and then the second season I did at the tail end of 2020 it's my itty bitty baby season um, because the first season I did fully, I did it all on my own, um, you know, out of my own pocket, just tried it, did all my own audio editing, like all of it, right? Just throw spaghetti at the wall. Um, for the 2020 <laughs> season, I could not listen to my own voice again, uh, which might be something relatable. Um, and so I had to get money to pay an audio tech. Um, and so I was able to get a sponsor for that season, which was really cool. Um, and I had sponsorship dollars enough for three episodes. So that one I talked to, um, Terica, who's a wedding planner and uh, wedding vendor coach um, based in coastal Georgia, um, who was doing, and she continues to do, but she was doing a ton of work last year, um, particularly around what black joy and black safety look like in the wedding space. Uh, and then, um, Jordan actually was my other podcast host or podcast interviewee. Um, and then I ended that season also with a couple. Um, so yeah, as far as season three, I would really like to do it. Um, I've been kind of kicking the can on it. Um, really where it's coming down, uh, is I, I don't necessarily know if I can get the money to get into a studio and hire an audio tech. So I kind of keep kicking the can and being like, well, maybe in a few weeks, maybe in a month. Um, I would love to do it again though. Cause it's really fun for me. And I think people, I think people like hearing the vendor side. We hear a lot from couples, but I don't think we hear a ton from vendors. Hosting a podcast is a lot of work that you don't. It's a ton of work. Oh my gosh. It's so much work. It's, it's yet another like list of things that you have no idea how much work it is until you're going through the motions yourself, like getting married, buying a house. Like you're like, how, how hard could this stuff be? Right. Totally. Totally. Oh my God, this is so much work. And (laughs) so I, um, another woman I'll be interviewing this season um, she does her own uh, storytelling workshops oh, cool. and she, her Very business neat. is called Tell Me a Story. And so 
having worked with her for a couple months, like that's what really helped get me, you know, podcast ready, um, not realizing that I was going to eventually be hosting a podcast, but I knew that she had hosted her own podcast for a couple seasons. And when she told me that she wasn't able, she wasn't going to be able to be on season one of Mm -hmm. beyond the venue because she was working on season three of her podcast. (laughs) I'm like, Oh, totally get it. Totally get it. I understand. It is a lot. And, you know, I'm very fortunate to have Daniela as my producer um, from By Thank you, Daniela. Yes, she. So if I can always put you guys in touch uh, if you're interested in talking with her about editing. I always appreciate that. Yeah, I will say, I mean, speaking about universal themes, you know, the teardown altered my writing on the Internet, my newsletter, my Instagram, like so much of it the the common theme is um and i i'm totally stealing this phrase from a dj that i love out of a radio station in seattle called kxp this man's name is john richards and the big theme of his work is is reminding people that you're not alone and um, of course that is so profound always has been particularly right now um and that's the same that i try and do with all my stuff you know i try and make couples realize that they're not alone in wanting to be more intentional about their wedding planning uh you know i try and bring vendors together because i know the first half of my career you know those first two or three years i felt very alone you know in the wedding industry and i say that as a cis white straight skinny woman you know i mean if anyone shouldn't feel alone in this industry it's me but i, I felt very alone and um you know, was never actively attacked or harmed by other vendors, which I'm sure has a lot to do with with what I look like, unfortunately. I also had a lot of trouble finding vendors who vibed with what I was doing, right? Like, gosh, I love this, but guys, this is super racist. How do you feel about it, you know? Um, and that's where the Teardown Altar come from, is trying to create these gathering spaces where people can be like, oh, hey, cool. Okay. I'm not the only person who's been curious about what an anti-racist policy looks like, or, Hey, I'm not the only person who wants to know what 5%, um, you know, building in a giving back donation model in my business model. What does that look like? Um, Hey, you know, I'm not the only black vendor who's talking actively about these topics in this way. Right. So just that finding commonalities. So, you know, I'm glad you vibed with it. That's why I, I I absolutely do. And it, it was a reminder of like, even though things are slow with me right now with the Delta variant and people kind of hesitant to start planning events and they don't know what the future looks like. Totally. It's, it's been a really good time for me to hone in and focus on my values and being able to see these other vendors that you've connected with, both with your podcast and with Altered and being able to see how they are just putting it, whether it's on their homepage or they're about me, it's like, this is who I am and this is what I stand for. So, you know, if it, it, it kind of goes without saying that if you're going to have a problem with that, then we're not going to vibe. So, you know, move along and find someone else. And I- Internet's I really, a big place, right? I, I really appreciate that approach of, you know, being yourself and being your authentic self, but putting it in a way to make people realize like they either really want to work with you or they really don't. Yeah. And it's been a total, you know, total work in progress for me and remains one, you know, I mean, I, I remain open to feedback on any and all of it. And, um, it's been true. It's true on any part of my business. Um, it's been true on the COVID front. It's been true, um, on the anti-racist statement on my business. It's true around really anything I talk about is, constantly re-examining and kind of putting it against that yardstick of am I causing harm how am I causing harm how do I reduce harm 
And, you know, to tie it back to kind of the first part of our conversation, in my darker moments, that is the thing that I hold on to is I'm really interested to see, I'm very curious to see what this next part looks like, because I think many of us or all of us, I, I would be so bold to say, have really had to re-examine what at the end of the day are conversations around consent and boundaries and assumptions. And while we have lots and lots and lots and lots of examples of those boundaries being violated and, and really challenging examples um, of perhaps people not prioritizing other people's health and safety. Um, I also think we have a lot of examples of people doing that, you know, of, of being open, like you were sharing earlier about like saying to your parents, like, Hey, I, I know it's kind of weird. Like, I know we probably would be fine, but I'm just not in a place where I want to eat indoors right now. Like that's been huge. I, I've had a lot of similar conversations in my professional and personal life. Um, and it's something I want to carry with me um, now until forever, because I think it's, a huge strength. I think it's made me stronger as a person. I think it's definitely made me stronger as a business owner. Uh, I make the joke that as a wedding planner, I never used to say I don't know. I mean, it's literally my job to know. No matter what, I always have an answer, right? And it's been the big, one of the biggest lessons I've taken from the last 18 months is to say I don't know to my clients, to people in the world, just to be like, I don't know how we're going to do this, you know, but we're going to figure out a way. And Let's make it happen while we're also hitting our check marks of health, safety, legality, you know, but saying I don't know has been a real powerful lesson for me in the last year. I, I am a huge fan of using just the term no. <laughs> <laughs> also great. Also very applicable. Power of no. That is, that totally. is, that is something that uh, was definitely strengthened these last 18 months. Um, for sure. But so that is one of the ways that I prioritize self-care um, in this absolutely insane roller coaster that just won't quit. So what what do you do to, to, to practice self-care? Um, what what are ways that, that you're able to step away? Um, what what how do you prioritize self-care? Oh, boy. Uh, I feel like this is such a real conversation for me because um, from a work point of view, I'm about to enter like for various reasons and very much personal choice and kind of what income has looked like in my family. Um, I have not been working weddings in person this summer. Um, and so my in-person season starts here in two weeks. It's two weeks from yesterday. Um, and so I'm, I'm moving into, um, I won't say a busier time, but just like part, my brain is really shifting to like, okay, here we are back, back to front and center, deep empathy work. What does this look like? So I've been thinking a lot about self-care. Um, I'll give practical examples because I'm a practical person. And when I listen to people on podcasts, I'm always like, yeah, okay, I love the philosophy, but like, what are the three tips that I need, you know, to succeed? So um, one thing I'm doing for myself that might be applicable to some folks, not all folks, is I'm really going to try and be better about when I work on a weekend or work on a off day that I take a, a day off in conjunction. It's something I have not um, held myself to in recent history. You know, if I work a Saturday or Sunday, I often will also work the Monday. So it can make for a six day shift or even sometimes seven days. So I'm really going to try and do that. Um, the other thing I did this year that I have never done and financially I'm still not hundred percent thrilled with <laughs> is I hired help. You know, I mean, that's like, you know, I hesitate to say that because when people say that, I'm always like, well, great that you have the money. Um, I'm definitely taking a cut from my paycheck to hire on an assistant for the weddings that I'm working. Um, but 
I just don't know how I'm going to be, you know, I just, and I just want to be able to have someone I can point to and pay them $25 an hour and be like, Hey, you're here with me for four or five hours. Can you go do this thing? Cause I don't know if I can. And that's been, that's been a real reckoning for me because I've, I, again, I'm a wedding planner. I'm a Virgo. I'm, you know, Beth Kramer. I, I think I can do everything. And this past 18 months has taught me that I, I definitely cannot do everything. And also that I'm really different than I was uh, last time I was doing this. So what do I need? Um, other self-care things, uh, you know, having interests outside of work, which can be hard for me because I really do love this work. But, um, you know, the things that I think people often talk about, um, walking, running, crosswords, uh, hanging out with my husband. Now that, you know, I'm very lucky that my family has been able to be vaccinated, being able to see them more, um, talking to people. Like I, one of the few things I missed from my time in a more corporate environment is I miss coworkers. Like I really mm -hmm. sincerely miss having coworkers. So I've tried to be very thoughtful. Um, I just like having very casual conversations with other people who do what I do. Um, just, and I, I welcome anyone who listens to this. If you just want to shoot me an email, I'll share my email address at the end of the, of the interview. Um, I really welcome it. I love to hear from people. I feel like so often um, writing and talking on the internet, I'm like shouting into the void. So I, I appreciate when people shout back. Um, often they shout back very nice things. Sometimes not always. I write about vaccines, um, but still often they, they write, they, they have nice things to shout. Um, but I, I sincerely like to know. Um, I love to know what you're up to. I love to know what's the cool thing you're doing. Is there a way that I can help? So um, all that stuff helps. I keep a wins folder that I never look at, but I, I should look at more <laughs> um, of just cool things that keep me going. So that's awesome. That's a great yeah, idea. That's my list of weirdly practical philosophical things for self-care. I, I think that's super practical, especially for, you know, all of our industries for anybody who's listening. Yeah. Um, well, Beth, uh, my next question for you is about your favorite venue. So you've obviously spent a lot of time <sighs> in and out of venues over the last five years. Um, so this doesn't have to be a wedding venue. So any place uh, throughout yeah. the entire world that just gives you a whole bunch of joy? Oh, boy. I'm thinking about this right now. And I love that you asked it. Um, I mean, I am MG, the venue specialist. So I, I mean, you know, it, it's on brand. It's on brand. <laughs> um, you know, when you when you asked me this question, the first place that popped to mind, and I feel... I, this is like such a stereotypical answer, but I'm, I'm going to roll with it and we can, we can see where it goes. Um, I thought about the place where I got married. So I got married uh, in November, 2019. Um, and my wedding, cause I'm a jaded wedding planner was 19 people, which I tell people that now. And they're like, wow, what a trendsetter. And I'm like, yeah, if I'd known there was a global pandemic coming, I would have like called someone. <laughs> Maybe would have like tipped off the CDC, like, hey, 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 new virus on its way in two weeks after I get married. Um, you know, my husband and I, and I, I feel funny saying this because I'm usually not, I'm not prescriptive about weddings. Like I, I, weddings can happen anywhere. Like I've married people in fields. I've married people in barns. I've married people in backyards. I've married people in luxury hotels. You know, I mean, they happen everywhere. It's one of my favorite parts is that Weddings can happen in any space. Of course, I have lots of practical things I look for in venues. But um, so I usually don't like to give examples for my life because sometimes people hear them and they're like, oh, that's where I have to get married because she got married there. Not true. I got married in a house on the Oregon coast and 
every time I pass that house, I think of my husband and how joyful we were that day. And we go back to that same town every Thanksgiving. We were married right around Thanksgiving in 2019. And it just is such a reminder to me of how important um, holding space is for anything joyful um, and what those four walls meant to us that day and how they held in all the warmth and all those feelings and all that ooey gooey loveliness that I have used as such a touch point to get through this last 18 months. Um, so I guess I would say that. Um, these days, though, I will also take any place where the people I love are together in the same space because I have not had that in a long time. So, you know, the room I'm sitting in, you know, wherever, if I can see the people <laughs> I love in a safe capacity, uh, that might be my new favorite venue. So those would be my two answers. All right. Excellent answers. Yeah. Uh, well, Beth, can you please let our listeners know how they can follow you? Totally. Um, so the easiest place to go to is my website. So elizabethkramer.com. Um, my first name has an S in it, not a Z. And Kramer is with a K, not a C. Um, so elizabethkramer.com. That's where you'll find everything. So my Instagram, um, bottom right corner, if you want to hit that. Um, my newsletter, my email is all over there, which um, again, it's elizabeth at elizabethkramer.com if you want to reach out to me. Um, Alters on there. resources on your website. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, alt- totally. Infinite resources. So if That's you a are planning degree. a wedding or need to know anything about COVID safety protocols, absolutely visit her website. Thank you. Helpful. Yeah, it's all there. So, you know, please feel free um, and yeah, reach out. I'm always happy to chat, uh, whether you're planning or just in this space or just a fellow entrepreneur who doesn't do anything with weddings. Um, I'm sure we'll have something to talk about. You can also check out The Teardown on all your favorite podcast streaming Thank you. Yes, that is available. Uh, yep, you can, um, you'll find all that stuff altered and The Teardown will be on the four vendors tab on my site. Altered has its own website as well, um, alteredpdx.com. And The Teardown, I usually point people to the Anchor page, which is the um, hosting um, platform that I use. But yeah, you can also download the town teardown anywhere. It's going to be a little teal logo with two rings. And the name refers to that hour at the end of any event where you tear down the event, or in my case, tear down the wedding industrial complex. Love it. Well, Beth, thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, This was super great and really appreciate you taking the time. I know it's been an absolutely crazy month and will probably continue to be even more insane (laughs) over the next couple of weeks. Um, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. Check out Beyond the Venue podcast on Instagram and listen to all of our episodes on all of your favorite podcast streaming platforms. Enjoy the rest of your day.